it made me responsible in other areas of my life too. But it also taught me not to have that stigma and it softened my heart to people who do have HIV as well. Because I always looked at it as a stigma. Beyond Ourselves is a podcast where I, Taylor Camille, share stories by those living a life fully and beyond any stigma or perceived limitations a health condition may have on their day-to-day lives. For season two of this series, we're highlighting stories from Black men. The stigmas around caring for their health and bodies beyond fitness and examining masculinity. As always, please share and subscribe if you haven't already. Today we're speaking with Caleb Ashton. I found Caleb doing some research on the interwebs. My friends will call me a creep because I can find anyone. So maybe I should add that to my resume. But I found Caleb searching on YouTube, looking for people that were HIV positive and talking about it. And he was doing a spot for an app called the Safe App, which allows you to figure out your STD status from your phone. One of the most endearing things about him in one of these videos is he introduces himself and he's like, hi, I'm Caleb Ashton and I have HIV. Well, maybe that's not the first thing you need to know about me. And I just thought like that truly encapsulates everything I'm trying to do with this podcast and how we talk about health. Like, yes, it's a very important part about myself, but it's not the first thing you need to know. And it can be tricky talking about it. HIV, or human immunodeficiency virus, is a virus that attacks the body's immune system and, if not treated, can lead to AIDS. I think that was one thing that always tripped me up. It's like they lump it together, HIV slash AIDS, when you see it on many materials. And I have a hard time deciphering the difference between the two. The challenges in preventing HIV is that one in seven black people have HIV in the United States, but they're unaware that they have it. Um, And without treatment, they may unknowingly pass it to others. According to the CDC, African-American men and women have higher rates of some sexually transmitted diseases than other racial and ethnic communities. This is important to note because having another STD can increase a person's chance of getting or transmitting HIV. Caleb is an actor, having moved from Texas to Los Angeles to pursue his dreams. Um, He also, you know, dabbles in the TikTok space. (laughs) If you need some levity at any point, I would suggest taking a look at those. And it was good to talk to him about stigma surrounding HIV, what his treatment looks like, and what he hopes for representation of black gay men in the entertainment industry. Here's Caleb. Hi, I'm Caleb Fields. I go by Caleb Ashton because um, Ashton is my middle name. And it just has a nice flow to it, I've been told. I was born in Houston, Texas, and I was just always a creative, a young child. I, I went to high school for performing visual arts. I went there for acting. Then after I left there, I went to Ball State University in Indiana for acting. I went to the Navy Reserves for, for six years. And then after that, I sort of like just kind of hustled and just to try to build up my resume and build up my skill set as far as acting went. And then after that, I went to LA because I needed to change the scenery. I was doing that in the Houston scene. So I moved to LA, which is where I am now. Mm -hmm. And from here, I've just been networking and ultimately founded my own production company, which I'm glad I did with one of my closest friends, uh, especially at this time. So we can kind of like, kind of just take control of things and not just stay Right. But I found out about my health status as far as HIV goes. I found out about 
my status upon arriving here and in LA. In LA, arriving here in LA. And Got it. It was, it was just a normal checkup. Like, because I, I norm I normally go to checkup. I had not been in a while to the clinic just to make sure everything is good. And I found out that I had it, and I didn't think th it was weird because I didn't. That would never cross my mind that I would have it, and especially with my last sexual encounter being with somebody that I trusted, I wouldn't think that I, I would have contracted it. But like right when I found out I contracted it, I just was like, it was like an outer body experience. I always say that because it's a truth. But I felt like a stigma. The person who told me, the physician who told me, you could tell like they, of course they went through this before, and they have, they witnessed that awkward moment where they don't know how to console a stranger so I didn't want to make it more awkward for them so I was not trying to be that emotional and I, it was just a whole bunch of stuff going on but after that of course he got me in touch with the pharmacy and a healthcare provider that I needed but that experience it made me more responsible as far as far as my sexual health and just letting partners know that hey I do have H I mean, I'm HIV positive and it was crazy because a lot of people that I told even if it was just like a close friend they were like I'm glad that you were open about it because I have it too and it just it just made people things more it, like you said transparent. It, was, it was more yeah it made my um, experiences and relationships more transparent like it made me responsible in other areas of my life too but it also taught me not to have that stigma and it softened my heart to people who do have HIV as well, because I was, I always looked at it as a stigma. And I think me going through it, me actually having it definitely just made me soften my heart to other people who have it as well. Right. Yeah. So, and before your diagnosis, I mean, so you moved from, were you in Texas and then you moved to Los Angeles? I was in Texas. I was in Houston. Then I moved to Los Angeles and there was Got this it. one. The fall of two, the fall of 2018, so a little bit of like a year and a half ago. Okay, got it. And so, I mean, <laughs> moving to a new city and then being proactive enough to like go to a clinic is beyond me because I, I myself, I'm just thinking like I probably would just hit the ground running, not think about it, like keep, mm -hmm. you know, because you're trying to get started and and that, and that's. And that came along with that too. Like that, I was doing that, but I was like, okay, I need, I need, I haven't been to the clinic in a while. Let me just get be responsible and do that. When I moved here, it did take a while to get stuff going, but mm -hmm. I eventually did get book gigs. But you're like trying to balance that. Why would you came here for your your finances? And then now uh, this comes along. So it was a lot. It was a lot that I was dealing with. But I'm glad I went through it. It definitely didn't deter me. But yeah, right. And were you by yourself when you when you went to the clinic? I was by myself. Oh man, I was by myself. Yeah, I mean, and I did tell uh, my closest friend later that evening. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't too overwhelmed, but it was like, damn, I have to deal with this. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I wasn't gonna stop, but yeah, I, I went there by myself. I did. Yeah, go yeah. What was the response when you told your close friends and then eventually told your family? How did they take the news? Um, they were very supportive. I, w I was shocked that they were very supportive. I didn't, I didn't tell my um, parents, my family for the for a year after I found out because I didn't know how to tell them, and they were already kind of worried that I was out here by myself. So I didn't want to mm -hmm. make them more worried. So right. I didn't tell them because I remember I went home. 
this past Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving of 2019, and that's when I told them. Because I wanted to tell them. I didn't want to tell them over the phone. I didn't right. want to tell them face-to-face. In person. Mm-hmm. And that was weighing on me the whole, like, that was weighing on me the whole time. Because I was like, dang, I know I have to tell them. But they were very supportive, which I was shocked by. They were sad that I didn't tell them, that I didn't tell them sooner, that I felt that I couldn't tell them sooner. Mm. Of course, which shocked me. I didn't expect the reaction that, that I got, but they were, they, yeah, they were very supportive. Yeah. And I mean, I was going to rewind and just thinking about your family and thinking about Texas, period. How was it when you came out to them in general? And what was that time of your life like? Oh, that was, I was very like rebellious because I came out when I was a junior in high school. So I was like very like rebellious. I didn't, I was, ready, <laughs> I was ready to get out the house. But yeah, I came out to my mom. She was, she was, her, she was a little disappointed, but she was very accepting and patient. My father was my father was was very supportive. He was like, I, I already knew that. Like you couldn't, you can't, <laughs> you can like. And, and he didn't mean it like in an insulting way. He was just like, there's a, there's nothing you can really hide from me. Like I, I, I kind of like you're my son. I, I kind of I know you. So right. like, there's nothing really can really hide from you. Can hide from me, and I don't I don't love you any different. So I would right. that was a relief to hear. Which, and which I'm grateful for because I've heard some crazy stories about people getting kicked out, acting out of their houses at a young age. Yeah, um, things go left. The fights, you know, I mean, the worst. I'm I'm very thankful and blessed to have uh, the parents and the family and support that I do have. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you? I mean, so I stumbled upon this video, but how did you learn to talk about it? Right, like I feel like. There is these stigmas. And in one clip, you mentioned, like, when you got your diagnosis, you were like, I just didn't want to be that Black guy with HIV or whatever, in so many words, you kind of, yeah, said. So how did you, like, get over that and, like, be so public about it and be so open about it? I remember, like, I know it sounds so corny, but, like, I remember how, like, strong I was. Like, because I've been, I've gone through a lot of a lot of stuff in my in my my twenty seven years of living. So I mean, I knew how. <laughs> I knew like I was like I can't I can't let this stop me. Like, I mean, what am I gonna do? Like, I got I kind of have no choice, and it kind of fueled me to just like try to hustle a little bit harder. But yeah, no, it was a lot. I've been through a lot a lot of stuff. So I mean, there wasn't not saying that this was minor. But I wasn't as phased as I was by this due to the other stuff that I've been through. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, I didn't see a lot of black men talking about it openly who did have it. So I knew that I didn't want to like silence my voice because somebody else was silencing theirs. Mm -hmm. And have you like, I know you share a bunch of like TikTok videos and you're doing those (laughs) kinds of things, but have you, did you share like any of your speaking about HIV with your friends or anything, or did you just kind of like, I put it on my Instagram. I did share those. I shared it on my Facebook, the links on YouTube that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I did Mm -hmm. share them on Instagram and YouTube. I got a lot of support from that as well. But yeah, it was like, it was, it was crazy. My inbox were flooded. I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, no, I got, it was a lot of support. I was, I was surprised. What has treatment been like and what's been the process of, you know, finding your doctor? And I, I read something the other day that was like, 
you know, this is something you can live with. There's treatment for it. It's not like a death sentence. So yeah, what has treatment been like? And well, actually, two things before treatment. Can you like in your own words define what HIV is or your interpretation of what that is? I would describe it as, of course, a sexually transmitted virus. You can get it through oral sex and, of course, unprotected sex. But it attacks your immune system and it causes your T cells to get low. When I had first got diagnosed, they said that it was a good thing that I came because my T cells were still high, like still at a high point. So Mm -hmm. it was good that I, I got the medicine. I got the treatment right when I got it. So I could start becoming undetectable and undetectable means it's like your T cell cells are at a healthy level and the um, virus is untraceable and ultimately undetectable. I really didn't get any like symptoms until I started like taking the medicine. The medicine was kind of the weirdest part, but I guess because your body is getting used to it. Another thing it's caused me to do is like really pay attention to my insurance, make sure nothing doesn't cancel. Right. Um, also, I found out there's like different strands of HIV for your T cells. When your T cells are like getting destroyed, it's harder for your body to fight off other infections and it makes you more right. of other infections. So I, I mean, still take vitamin, a lot of vitamin, especially at a time like this. Right. And so what other, what else does treatment look like? And have you found like a doctor that you see regularly and like, or is it just, is it mainly like visiting clinics and praying or advocating for yourself to make sure that they get their stuff together? Or what does that look like? I do have to take, test like blood work every six months just to make sure my t-cells are at a good level and that i am undetectable yeah but yeah the treatment i take big tarvi i just take one pill every morning around the same time i try to take it when i get off work i work overnight so like when i get home i'm like okay i'll just take it as soon as i get home and then you can't take anything i have to wait at least three hours to take anything else so to take my vitamins i have to wait at least three hours just because of like the effects it might have on your body or well, like- because it won't no 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 because the because the vitamins won't work the big will still work the vitamins oh, won't work it like cancels it out because it's so strong that type of thing. yeah but yeah i'm i'm glad because i'm i'm just grateful because i know that there was a point in time there was no type of medicine for it there was mm-hmm. a point in time there people had to take like four or five pills for it but yeah no i just have to take luckily i just have to take one pill And then on the resource front, what resources did you find to be the most helpful on your journey? Like, I imagine I got diagnosed, the first thing I would do was like go online and probably get scared or, you know, (laughs) I mean, you told your closest friend, but what along the way, like, really helped guide you to figure out like what you should and shouldn't do or like next steps? I was just trying to listen to my healthcare provider that the physician had partnered me with at the moment because they they just seemed they just had a good vibe about them and I wasn't I know this sounds bad but I was like really trying to just network out here I knew like okay what do I need to do as far as my health but it wasn't I just I just took the resources that they provided me um Mm -hmm. right and then I mean, you're networking and stuff, but how did you, you mentioned that your friend also said that they had it when you, you know, disclosed that you were positive. Did you, were you seeking community to like bounce off stories with people or bounce off like 
I don't know, just experiences? Or did you kind of feel like you already had your people and you were, you know? Yeah, um, I feel like I already kind of had my support. I mean, there's, as far as, like, my health, there's only so much somebody, as far as, like, there's only so much somebody can tell you, hey, HIV doesn't stop you. Like, everybody's going to say that. Like, there was some right. in the video. So, I mean, there's only so much somebody can tell you about HIV. But, no, they were just living their lives. They were living their lives just like I was living my life. They just didn't They didn't let it stop them. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, no, I, I kind of had already had a support system as far as, like, my friends yeah. and family that I told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. The other thing I wanted to ask was, how has it been? I mean, my, me, myself in quarantine, I'm like, well, I guess there goes my dating life. Like that's out the window. Yeah. But how has it been dating maybe pre-quarantine or, you know, I guess if you're dating now, I I got on apps and I'm like, I don't know why I did this. Yeah. <laughs> but you No, know, I, I was getting on apps like just to, during, I was getting on apps during quarantine just to like kill my boredom. But yeah. before... Before quarantine, I wasn't. I was, like, heavily in church. Like, I had kind of got a regimen on my life. Like, I would just... It was just literally work, church, gym. And I might have gotten a gig or something. But it, that's all it was. So, I wasn't really focused on, like, a dating mm-hmm. life. Especially out here. There's, like, a specific... I don't want to say all the guys are superficial. I haven't found, like, a guy that I click with like that. Yeah. I feel you especially being from the south that's my whole thing when I moved east I was always people be like well like do you like like which one do you like better and I'm like honestly I would like LA with like the people from where I'm from like or like from the east coast or from the south or I just feel like LA gets filtered with a bunch of superficial people from all over the place right you can't find like real down-to-earth people because you're like you're all chasing something else or like looking for the next best thing it's like uh, okay that's cool but like can we right. be grounded like we don't always have to be so I feel you on right. that that's exactly yeah. I mean I just I just knew that that would be like I know for me when I'm in a relationship it's like a part-time job and like guys just take up your time and I, I was like oh I just like don't have time to be calling you all the time and just <laughs> like I, I mean, when I'm in a relationship, I'm in a relationship. I do care. But I'm like, yeah. that's not what I came to LA to for. Do. I could have an, a relationship anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching How I May Destroy You? Or I May Destroy You? I always mess that name up. I don't. Was Is that from the... No, that's not the same girl. I'm thinking about something else. No, I have not seen that. Have you read about it? You need to watch it. It's Michaela Cole on HBO. Oh, I may destroy you. I have not I think heard it's about But Caleb, you've gotta watch it. Oh, okay. I think I've seen I've seen I've seen this. Yeah. The say she did chewing gum on Netflix, but I didn't really like that. That was more of a comedy. And this is like more drama and more like well dramedy and you know, she's she's talking about like how people process trauma. It's like the black British trauma life dating it's really good and there's this actor in it and he's you know he's representing black gay men and how the system has failed them i think it just brings up conversations about who gets to be vulnerable and who gets to pursue love safely and 
like I don't know. I just wanted to pick your brain about it, but you haven't seen it. So uh, check it out. I wish. Yeah, I I have not been. I've not been watching as many shows that I normally do. But yeah, no, I definitely need to check it out. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, I mean, I would just, I guess, off that point, just how since you are an actor and you are in this business, I just want your remarks or thoughts about how black gay men are represented and what do you think is left out of the of the stories that you have or have not seen i think a lot from what i have seen i think a lot of black gay men are very we're we're fetishized and i think Mm -hmm. a lot of the narratives become sex driven Mm -hmm. and it it's okay to have a little bit of, of course sex in in any story but when it's like literally every other scene or every scene there's somebody's making out, it subsequently is like porn. <laughs> so yeah, I just wish that it wasn't, we weren't so like black men, especially weren't so uh, fetishized. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would want to see like the relationship dynamics outside of the bed. Like what's the work really working relationship? Like how do mm-hmm. they support each other in their business endeavors? A lot of gay men I know, they have a lot of drive when it comes to their careers. So I would love to see that aspect and mm-hmm. what fuels that and just how they handle life when things come at, when when they experience adversity, because gay, a lot of black gay men do experience adversity. There's a lot of colorism in the gay community, in the black gay community, there's a lot of colorism. There's a lot of segregation in the gay community in general. So I would just explore those as I want to explore those aspects I do have pieces that I've written that I do need to film before this year because I have to contractually I have to but yeah no um I would definitely like to see that the fact that this person is gay is not the main topic it's like oh right. he's gay but he's trying to like not become homeless and all this stuff is happening to him and he's working mm-hmm. jobs and you want to see him succeed. That's what I would like to see more, not so much sex driven because at the end of the day, when you see other black gay men producing fetishized sex driven black gay narratives, it's, it kind of becomes counterproductive to, mm-hmm. to our, to us being progressive. Yeah. So yeah. Do you feel like there's anyone right now that is, like taking a step in the right direction, like any creators, even if they're like not mainstream yet? There is some, I'm trying to think. I know the gentleman who wrote Moonlight. I don't know what he's produced recently, but I did enjoy Moonlight. I did enjoy Moonlight. And I I liked how there wasn't, there was moments of intimacy, but it wasn't like, okay, we're like full on having sex. Mm -hmm. It was very like, the moments of intimacy were like really like powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. Like um, tender who, almost they were very tender who else i do i love what ryan murphy is doing as far as when it comes to pose and celebrating just black queerness in that aspect and i love their narratives i love each character's narrative but also incorporating them in american horror story and giving the trans women actual female roles versus you know, this is a trans woman playing, mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. I enjoy that. And, oh my God, what's the name for Moon? What is it? The playwright who was Alvin McCraney. Oh, I would he, not have guessed that great, name. He, some, he He's written some good plays. Mm. Great plays. But yeah. 
Yeah. This is like a total aside, <laughs> but do you feel as an actor that you know that you might get typecast or only have to play gay black men or do you feel like there's space in room or even interest that you'd want to play you know someone heterosexual or what do you feel about that i think that there's room for i think there's room for gay black men to play heterosexual it's just i think they know that if anything they know you're black before you're gay if right in some cases and then once they find out you're gay they want you to be an archetype of what they think a gay person is so I definitely do think that there's um, room for um, for gay black men to play heterosexual roles. I, I think so. Yeah. What made you get into acting in the first place? What what made me get into acting was for the drama class, we had to do this monologue. And the teacher was so impressed by my monologue that she wanted me to do be a part of her play. So I auditioned in the spring. I auditioned in the spring. Then they have callbacks auditions. Went to callback audition, and then at first they said that I didn't get it, but I was like, I was like, I know I did good on my audition. So I called, <laughs> I called back. I said, I know I did good on my audition. Is there some type of mistake? And they were like, Oh, wait, wait, there is a there was there is actually a mistake. You did get it. So, <laughs> so I don't know if that's I really got nuts. in or what, but that that's what happened. So from there, I was doing. I just love being in that environment where you got to work on acting on different facets of acting like most of the day. Of course, you have to do your academic stuff, but it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. No, I love that story. Is there a mistake? It's got to be a mistake. Yeah, that was, it was crazy because I was, I was like, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Everyone needs that confidence. <laughs> like, I, double check. Yeah, I need it now. Dude. <laughs> like, double check. <laughs> what do you hope, I mean, this might be kind of obvious, but what do you hope people will take away from you sharing your experience, your passions, anything? Like, what do you hope to, like, leave with people? Well, just acting, I think acting in general just keep teaches you you have to have hope because that's sometimes that's all you have and even with just be being responsible as far as like my sexual my sexual health just being responsible in that area and just know that like okay I'm going through something right now but there's something better on the other side of it there's always something better like I promise I promise you there's always something better on the other side and just to have like I said you got to have hope if you don't have anything else just have hope yeah. And you got to just That's keep real. going. What do you think men's health conversations lack? Because in like developing this season, I feel like doing the women's season was much easier because women are usually more, a little more forthcoming. Maybe the algorithm is like serving me more women's yeah. content. But I think that like when I search on social or anything, like usually there's more tailored to, to women, especially in the health space. Like we, I think just automatically have to be more in tune with our bodies or right. more concerned about things happening in our body. But when I look at like men's publications, I'll see mainly it's about sex. It's about fitness and maybe diet like that's about it but I don't know if you if you gather the same from your experience yes I think like you I think kind of you said it just be there's more upfrontness about about sexual health I think men think that they have something to prove so they don't want to like really 
oh, I'm, they're like, oh, I am faithful, so I don't really need to get checked, have a sexual health check, where, when it's like, okay, just, you know, just being honest with yourself. Look, I know my body, I know something's off, let me go get tested for my health. Or some people, some mm-hmm. men don't trust doctors. They feel like doctors are a scam, so they don't try to go to the doctor and get tested. Or, or yeah, I just, just being honest with yourself and being more responsible, that's what I think it is. Yeah. It's so strange. It's like, it's like the elephant in the room. Like, right. we all know you need to go, like, take care, like, handle your business. And I don't know why it's been framed for men to be any less manly for <laughs> knowing about your body, you know? Right. <laughs> like, it's so funny on Twitter when people are like, these are the same population of people that got sold, like, shampoo and body wash in the same bottle or something, you right. know? And, it's, yeah. and they think yeah. that's okay. yeah like that is not okay (laughs) yeah so the last question i end all my shows with this but what brings you peace like when you might feel down and out or just all over the place what brings you peace whether it's like a, a phrase or a book or anything um definitely me personally, definitely reading my Bible. About, the Bible has a, le- a lot of positive affirmations that um, like kind of go in one ear but and out the other. But I think like mm-hmm. constantly going through the Bible, you kind of need to hear that. And I've seen, I've seen God work and I've seen uh, things. I've seen what was written in the Bible come true in my life. So just knowing that if, if I go through a bad time, there, it's not going to be permanent. So mm-hmm. yeah, just reading the Bible, praying, definitely journaling how I feel today. And yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. <laughs> Beyond Ourselves is an original series produced and hosted by me, Taylor Camille. A variety of the series artwork shared here and on our Instagram at Beyond Ourselves are created by Carmen Johns and Sierra Hood. My hope is that these listenings have left you with a warm heart and an even cooler mind. I hope you are left feeling able to seek peace in the spaces and places you may find yourself in. If you're interested in being on the pod or have any compelling leads, please shoot us an email at info at And subscribe and share if you haven't already.